another episode of Wayne Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas and joining me as always are my three great co-hosts, so we'll go straight to that. Fede, how are you, man? How are things in Paraguay? Good, Roberto. Nice to see you. Nice to see Maria. Nice to see Ralph there already heated up here. Almost 100 degrees this week. It's going to be hot, Fahrenheit talking. Uh, if I say it in Celsius, it's close to 40 degrees, which is actually what we use here in Paraguay. Hot week. All fired up to talk about our national league, obviously, and everything that is going on here and another week of Guarani Vision. Absolutely. You know, Ralph, I'll go to you as well. How are you? And, you know, how did you enjoy the action uh, this weekend in Paraguay? Hi, guys. Yeah, doing good. Thanks, Roberto. Um, exciting. I think every game has has some talking points, which we'll, which we'll go through. Every game was full of goals as well. So, so plenty of plenty of fun to talk about. Absolutely. And Maria, I mean, I'm sure you're going to be just as excited for the Super Classico happening, happening this weekend. How are you? Hey, yeah, super exciting. It's uh, an exciting time for Olympia. They just came back from a big win. We'll talk about that later on. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the Super Classico. It's always a fun time for sure. <laughs> Definitely when it happens early in the season, that's when it all heats up, especially with the race that we've gotten. And we'll go straight to it, guys. I mean, we had a lot going on this weekend in Paraguay. We'll start at the game that Fede, you were actually commentating uh, on Tigo Sports, it was the 5-0 win for Sol de América and Dos de Octubre. A, a really convincing win for Sol de América, really convincing win for Gustavo Florentin's men. But there was one particular thing that actually happened in this game that was really surprising. Many people were talking about it all across social media. We saw people, you know, tweet about it and all that kind of thing. It's, um, it was very interesting, but also... At times, it feels as if, though, a situation like this shouldn't happen. I mean, what happened in this game in Itawa? A lot of things actually happened, you know, a result like this, 5-0. We haven't had uh, that much goals, I think, in one match up until now, right? The fourth uh, match of the season for these two teams. In Itawa, again, the stadium was opened. Uh, this was one of the stadiums that had trouble just a couple of games back when they played Olympia. We thought that the, the stadium was going to be closed for a couple of games, but they actually opened it up. But that was not the big trouble for Dos de Octubre uh, on the preview for this match. The, the trouble was with the cases of, of positive of COVID. Uh, they had so many. First, it was just a couple. Then it was up almost up to 10 and then it came up almost to 15 and by game day they had 17 cases in a squad that that should have had 35 players but didn't actually uh, sum up to that they had almost 30 players actually practicing so they they didn't have any goalkeepers uh practically left they had to use their third goalkeeper and they didn't have a sub for him so they had to look into into the people that they had in the club working and you know the 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 guy that actually gets the the goalkeepers prepared for every match their trainer uh, is an ex-goalkeeper here in, in Paraguayan football. He's 49 years old. He hasn't played in almost uh, 17 years professional football. He, he did play uh, in lower leagues uh, up until I think it was 2006, but that was a long time ago. You know, we're talking about somebody that, 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 that doesn't 
uh, go around chasing balls lately. That, that's usually practicing with the uh, starting goalkeeper. So it was a really weird situation. Uh, I was happy for him because he actually beat that record of, of Toro Acuna, which uh, I believe he was 45 years old and still playing in the Paraguay in football as a midfielder. Uh, and then goalkeepers, uh, we, we have we had some cases. Somebody told me Almeida of Olympia, this legendary player, uh, played up till he was 44, but 49 for Nelson Bernal. That was that was uh, quite a record. Uh, but it had to do with the COVID cases and in this weird situation, right? I mean, uh, I was telling you guys, clubs last year already they they released all the youth players, so those October didn't really have much players. They even uh, signed a couple of players during the week just to cover their roster their, their roster so they had trouble they really had a lot of problems facing Sol de America on the preview and then they lost 5-0 uh, talking about Sol de America side there's a lot of positive things to talk about because uh, Osvaldo Martinez their star their captain their number 10 scored a couple of goals two uh, in this first half uh, where Sol de America made it clear that they were going to win it uh, it ended up being 5-0 and it could have been a lot more because they were they really had no mercy on, on 12 Octubre uh, they're going to have a lot of trouble this year not just because of COVID cases but just because of how uh, they're playing up until now them and Wairenia I believe are the teams that haven't one yet, but Wydenia has a couple of smiles in this tournament already because they tied up against Olympia and they tied up uh, against Cerro Porteño, but we'll talk about that match. I can talk a lot more about Dos Octubre and, and Sol de America because it was a, a really a fun match uh, to be commentating on TV, but uh, let's go on to the next games. Which game are we going to talk about next? Just, Actually, just before yeah. we jump to Olympia, sorry, I was going to ask you, uh, Fede, about the substitution of Nelson Bernal. Just to explain like, to, the, to the listeners or people watching that it, the goalkeeper wasn't injured, right? It was like a decision by uh, 12 de Octubre that they wanted to kind of give him a homage and like go on the pitch and have that honor of being the oldest player, right? Yeah, I don't know how to interpret it, actually, because, you know, it was mixed emotions. You, you could feel happy for him because of breaking that record. You could say that he was actually brave with 49 years just to put himself out there and, and try to be a professional athlete. Uh, he he could have got injured. He, he could have gotten hurt. And, but he actually made a really good save on those five minutes that he played. So he actually was was actually the only one smiling after a 5-0. Uh, he was happy about what happened. You know, he was happy to have some some playing time. Uh, I, I talked to him after the match and he told me that it was not something that he talked with the head coach. Uh, th that he was actually going to have minutes, that he was actually going to play. Uh, he was actually surprised five minutes before the end of the match. He got called up. He was told that he was going to have some some play time, and he actually enjoyed it, and he was happy to, to give a hand in this really hard time uh, to help out a, a little bit at least. But it's it was only for this match because uh, Dose Octubre is going to hire a couple of goalkeepers, so this won't happen again. And um, I just wanted to ask because I mean I don't I don't know if you have the answer to this, uh, uh, Fede or maybe Ralph does, um, because I was looking into the 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 rules of the APF and 
um, you know, how can this happen? You know, we have a, a goalkeeper coach that suddenly, you know, out of nowhere, uh, the coach decides to put him um, as a substitute, but he's not a player, you know? So how does that work? Is, is it, was that legal, you know? Um, uh, can that happen in the future or, you know, is it something that, that, that shouldn't have happened? I don't, I don't know. It's, it was, a, it was a really weird situation. So that got me thinking about that. You want to help me out with this Rob, because you know, the, the transfer window was actually open. It's still open until the 26th of February. So all the teams can actually still hire players. That was actually something that was positive in this really uh, tough situation for those October. And in Bernal's case, uh, he was a professional football player, but actually his latest teams, the, the last teams that he ended up playing in were lower league teams. So he actually could play. He just needed to move his transfer around, needed to ask for that transfer, send it to the APF, send it to the APF and get uh, and be able to play this match. And he actually uh, did everything that, that he needed to do. Uh, got everything in order. It was just a couple of paperwork uh, before the match, and, and you know he was he was able to to play. He was uh, they, this actually could happen with any other lower league uh, player. You know they could be playing in a in, in a third division, and if a if a club from first division sees them, they could bring them next weekend. That could that could happen anytime. Yeah, I think I think because he was a technically a free agent, he doesn't have any other club. They they were able to register. And I'm not sure of the exact rules for APF, but in the Premier League, for example, they do have emergency loan options, particularly for goalkeepers, because it's such a specific position. So I'm, I'm trying to think of it. There was a famous case in, in the UK, like in the fourth division, when they uh, a club, Carlisle, had to bring a goalkeeper like on an emergency loan because they'd run out of goalkeepers as well. And the guy ended up scoring a goal to like save them from... From relegation it's called jimmy glass if, if you guys want to look that up but i think i think also for goalkeepers there's like a, a specific rule but it, but it's a good point uh, that maria brings up of the registrations and like why are they even playing the game um because just before the weekend all the club presidents got together and they kind of ratified what the paraguayan fa have been saying before is that when there are these mass outbreaks of covid like you have in uh, de octubre, there's no, you can't suspend the game. You can't postpone the game. It's like they'd all agreed that we have to just do the schedule no matter what. And, and they kind of ratified that. So I think on that point, the Paraguayan FA will be very lenient or like very open, I guess, to letting people register players at the last minute just to make sure they don't, they don't have to postpone games. Or, well, they're not going to allow people to postpone games, so to not have the games, like, abandoned and the points awarded to, to the other team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, go ahead, Maria. Sorry, I, I was trying to get that mute button, but it wasn't working. <laughs> um, so it ended up being just a, a lucky situation for Nelson, but um, I guess it didn't really make much of a difference for, for Dose because they were hammered, but... Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. So thank you guys for clarifying that. At least he has the record, so no one can take that yeah, away from you unless sure. unless someone else decides to come up. What probably didn't year. happen is that he probably didn't sign a contract for this game, right? He probably just played like like Ralph was saying, like a free agent. Like I don't think he even got paid for for having these minutes. He was just he just 
uh, try to help out just for this game. And it was just a one, uh, one in a lifetime situation, really. Definitely. Absolutely. And we don't want to go into the whole protocol kind of things of this kind of registration because we can go all on all night on this, but we'll move to the next game and we'll go to Maria on this one. It was the big game between Guarani and sorry, Guarani and Olympia. Olympia coming back and winning 3-0 on the day. After drawing Guarania last week, 0-0, Olympia really needed this game, especially coming into the Super Classico. A goal from Roque Santa Cruz in his 25th and final season. He scores his first goal of his final season as a professional. As we know, he is going to retire at the end of the year at the age of 40. And we also saw some goals from Brian Ojeda and Ramon Sosa, a player that, Fede, you've actually pointed out as one of the players to look out for. Maria, I'll go to you on this one first. Obviously, this was a result that Olympia definitely needed after that draw against Wydania, and we'll get to them in a bit because they definitely surprised another team in the league. Um, but they definitely needed this game uh, and this win, especially coming into the Super Clasico now mm-hmm. after the result that happened uh, to Cedro. No, yeah, it was a tough, tough game um, for both teams. But I think Olympia definitely came and was confident. Obviously, Guarani is a it's a difficult opponent. Um, you know, they have a very extensive uh, uh, group of players, and and um, the fact that they won three 0 was just big um, for Olympia. Uh, their their next game coming up against Cerro is. It's going to be another big one, and they they need to show up and they need to um, prove that they that, that they can win, and they need another uh, another win against uh, Cerro to to be able to put their fans at ease because they weren't doing so well the past couple of games. But it was definitely um, an interesting game because um, there was a, an interview that um, the president of Guarani did. Um, Acosta, and he came out and said that he was so upset after this game because he thought that there was so much favoritism coming from the refs and that uh, it was a, uh, a one-sided game, you know, um, Guarani got Milton uh, Brites out of, uh, with a red card and, and it wasn't a penalty and it wasn't a red card and the VAR was just one-sided. So he came out and uh, said all these things ab- about the game. He didn't. He didn't completely say anything bad about Olympia. Obviously, uh, there's uh, Olympia played a, a great game, so he can't say that that that. He said we could have won one nil, but not three nil. Like that. Um, sorry, we they could have won one nil, but not three nil. Uh, and it was all work of the refs. So apparently now they're going to accuse them, and they're going to try to get these two refs. Um, out of the um, the ref uh, association, so it's a very dr- dramatic ending uh, to this weekend with Guarani Olympia, one of the biggest games in, in, in the weekend. But definitely a big, big uh, win for the team, and definitely uh, I think other than, than than Santa Cruz coming out with a big uh, uh, goal. I think the biggest story was definitely Ramon Sosa with his debut goal. You know, this kid is so young and and um, we were talking about it earlier before we, we started the, the podcast. Him coming out and doing the interview in Guarani, which is our, our native language, is definitely one of the most unique things that you can see in a player. 
And in the world of football, because obviously Guarani is not being, is the only, um, Paraguay is the only country with this kind of language. So, you know, him coming out and, and talking like this, it's definitely puts us out there in the, in the world. But um, he's definitely a player that should be uh, on the look uh, in the lookout, you know, we have, uh, he has the same uh, agent as Miguel Almiron, like uh, Roberto mentioned uh, earlier. So, you know, he has potential. He has a, um, a lot to, to work on. Uh, of course, he's still young, but, um, you know, I think Fele has a lot to talk about uh, this guy. If you, if you want to mention more about him, but uh, I think he's uh, definitely a good potential for the future of Olympia and possibly for the future of the national team in Paraguay. Yeah, I, I love Ramon, Ramon Sosa. I loved him back in River. Uh, he's just uh, such a good player, complete player, but he can actually uh, do a lot more now in, in Olympia, I believe, because Olympia is getting players back. Uh, Recalde played his first match uh, of the year of the season, and they had a lot of COVID cases, also keeping players away from the pitch. They have a lot of injured players for these first matches. That's why I think Olympia wasn't getting the results. We, we didn't see the Olympia team that we thought we were going to see straight away because of these situations, because of the COVID cases and injured players. But I think we're, they're getting them back right on time, right? Roque Santos Cruz scoring his first goal. Uh, uh, like I said, Ricardo coming back to the team in midfield, they they found a solution with Brian Ojeda there, another young talent that's 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 getting uh, starting time also. So Olympia's building up, you know, in in a tournament where the only perfect team is Libertad. Olympia has a chance now at the Super Classico, a, a, a game obviously so big that we're gonna keep talking about Roberto. Definitely. I think it's definitely going to be a very interesting game. I think for Ramon Sosa, it's obviously impressive of him to demonstrate his language skills, as Maria mentioned, because of the fact that uh, every time that he is awarded a man of the match or does a post-game interview, his father always requests him to speak in Spanish, given the roots that he comes from over there in Canadá. So clearly a, a, a player to watch out for, and obviously an Olympia team to watch out for. Uh, heading into the Super Classico. And of course, with Guarani, this comes at a really wrong time um, because they also have the Copa Libertadores starting. They have to play in Bolivia against Royal Pari this Wednesday. And, you know, they definitely did not want to get this type of result. And you see the complaining that's been going on from the president and those being involved at the club. Uh, it, it just brews the perfect storm of what could indeed be a bad situation in the Libertadores. I mean, Ralph, you know, something like this shouldn't happen, I think, in Barrow. I think we always see accusations from club presidents from fans from <clears throat> players as well you know this whole thing of the refs and you know it, it it can get to you it can really move um public opinion but for something like this is definitely not one to to look out for you would say it, it was one thing that i remember used to surprise me a lot about paraguayan football when i first started following was how vocal the presidents are because in the Premier League and, and in much of Europe, you rarely hear from, from presidents. There's maybe, you know, two or three owners of clubs that become very famous for talking to media and things, but the vast majority you hardly hear of. But in, in Paraguay, it's pretty common to, to phone them up on the radio the day after the game, see what they say, or, or find them in the stadium when they're like, when they're still 
angry about a decision and, and try and get something. There's actually, there's always a guy in the stands for the radio station that's, that's like looking just to wait to see if they can catch the president for, for some words. Um, and in this case, I mean, with I didn't hear Acosta's comments, but what Maria's saying is very interesting because it, it was kind of controversial that Milton Maciel sending off, he was given a yellow card on the pitch and then the referee was called by VAR to check because it, for a possible red and and so he decided to overturn that. And I, I was actually joking with a friend, the Guarani fam, before the game. I said, hey, you got Diaz de Vivar and you got Samaniego on, on VAR. So, these, you know, this is bad news for Guarani. The reason the joke, it goes back to Samaniego about 11 years ago, 10 years ago now, uh, took part in the famous game that Olympia needed to win against Takwaru to, to win the title. And he gave a penalty when actually the ball was outside the area. Of course, this is, you know, pre-VAR, pre so there was no way to correct it. So I said that as a joke, by the way. I do not think there's a conspiracy that helps Olympia. But it did turn out that it was um, it was the VAR intervention that saw the, the sending off happen because the referee on the pitch gave a, a yellow. Um, and I do notice this is very different to, again, the Premier League, making lots of these comparisons to that. I don't know why, but... In the Premier League, we have Mike Dean, who's been criticized a lot for not wanting to overturn his decision. He goes to VAR and he upholds his own decision, even though the camera angles start to make you think, well, hasn't he got this wrong? Um, so this was an interesting case of the reverse when, when VAR kind of, you know, uh, shows that or helps influence that, that change in decision. I mean, whether it's a record or not, it's also debatable. I mean, I think you can say maybe Masia leaves his his put in like too long and, and maybe there's a bit too much, what's the word, like force, I guess, for it to, you know, to make it more than a yellow. But then I think if it had just been a yellow, no one would have said, oh, it should have been a red card. So it's kind of one of those, one of those decisions. Um, and I thought it's a good point, Roberto, that you made about Guarani playing Libertadores because sure, for sure, they must have on their mind that they got to go to Bolivia, that they got that game. Um, because this was actually the first game they'd lost. And this is their worst defeat for ages. I incorrectly thought this was their worst defeat since February 2020, because the results show they lost 3-0 to Olympia. But actually, they beat Olympia that day, but they fielded an illegal player, and the game was awarded to Olympia. So I don't even know the last time Guarani lost by three goals. In the, in the Libertadores last year against Gremio, they didn't lose by three goals. They lost by two. So, I mean, you know, this is, for what I need, this was a, a strange result for sure. Um, but yeah, credit to Olympia, they're coming up just in, at the right time, whereas I'm sure we're going to talk about Cerro now, they're, they're not doing so well. <laughs> and coming into the Super Classico, we obviously needed to talk about what's going on with Cerro. They were coming into this game, they haven't lost as well, and, you know, they came against this opponent of Guayana, who famously have also, you know, come back against uh, Cerro Porteño beforehand last year. They were winning 2-0 with goals from Claudio Aquino and Mario Boselli in the first minute before two goals in the last five, four minutes of the game gave them a point separately and for them to drop points um, in this type of game. I mean, Ralph, you know, coming from the loss against Libertad now and obviously the, the Cerro tie, I mean... You know, what do you feel is the right scenario now heading into this Olympia game? I mean, certainly they need to understand that in order for them to actually really get into this 
um, title race. You know, they definitely need that win against Olympia because if they don't, and you look at other teams that are trying to gain points, they could really lose um, form and momentum very early before the, the season gets really heated up. Yeah, it was. It, it ended up being a very strange result for Cerro because, to be honest, they played really well. I mean, in the first half, they they managed the game very well. Guairenia created chances, but Cerro were happy with that because Cerro were using that to, you know, they were using that to their advantage to find spaces as well, which they did. They they had two goals. Claudia Aquino was excellent. I mean, Aquino would. He does that thing of he can come really deep to pick up the ball, like a deep-lying playmaker, but then he finishes off. He starts a move, then finishes off in the box, which he does for the goal, and he and he scores the goal. So it's like you're picking it up deep, and you're also in the box making runs and scoring goals. And then it's, I think, it's his assist for this. Well, it's not the direct assist, but for the second goal, there's a throw-in, and he manages to cross first time, which nobody in Guairenia's defense was expecting not even the Cerro player was expecting because it kind of bounces off him. I can't remember who it is, but falls straight to Bosselli who needs like no invitation in the area to score. And, and by the way, Bosselli looks like he could be that. That's the signing they needed in terms of, in terms of upfront. Um, but then, yeah, the, the difficulty was managing that game towards the end, um, especially after the first goal. I mean, okay. When, you know, when Guarenia score in 84 minutes, that's the time where, okay, we need to, you know, make sure we're firm here and, and not allow anything to anything to happen or any more scares or keep the ball. But in fact, you know, Cerro were, were playing a lot less with the ball in the second half. And and they're a team, you know, Chiquiasa's teams are always much better in possession. Um, so they, you know, they were backing off and, and it was... Of course, a, a disaster for them when, when Lito Duarte, who's 38 years old, and he's he's played for Guarenia since before they were even a, a pro club, I think, you know, right when they're in the regional uh, regional kind of league, uh, he comes and scores that, that equalizer. And, and it's a case of deja vu for Cerro because in February 2020, they were leading 2-0 and they ended up uh, they ended up drawing 2-2 because that day Jose Verdun scored two goals in the very late on. Um, so yeah, worrying, I think, for Cerro that coming on the back of the Libertad defeat, there's now you know a bit of loss of momentum. Uh, they were missing players through again through COVID. They're missing Enzo Jimenez, they're missing uh, Pulpito Duarte, the, the central defender. Uh, Luceno was injured, he did not with COVID, but he got injured in the Libertad game. And I think they missed that a bit. Aldo Maiz, I thought, played well, but, but you know, they, they would have benefited in those last minutes from someone like Lucena helping them keep possession when they really needed to. So, so yeah, I think, go, you know, we'll talk more about, I'm sure, about Cerro Olimpia in our next episode just before the game. But at the moment, it's, you know, on, on form, it's, it's looking good for Olimpia. And going into the team that uh, certainly has not lost any sort of momentum, and that is Libertad. Libertad are still the only team to have not lost a single game this season, even though they still have a game in hand uh, due to the suspended game against Guairenia. They won 3-0 on the day against Nacional. And we saw kind of a mixture of the the past in, in Oscar Cardoso scoring the final goal and Julio Enciso, the future of him scoring at 17 years old. Um, if you remember, guys, he also scored against Jorge Wisdom in the Copa Libertadores. So this is certainly a young kid that is definitely on the rise. And Bede, I'll go to you on this one because 
it, it, we, we viewed Libertad as one of those favorites to, to win this league. And we know the, the team that they have and how they're trying to build a, a team that is worthy of not just competing from the local level, but seeing what they do internationally and getting Dani Ganero and getting that side to work out well. I mean, when you have kids and experience uh, mixed together, it's a perfect formula, don't you think? Yeah, and when you have a winning coach like Garnero also, you know, I think that came in with the right uh, formula, uh, picking the right players also, even though they also had trouble during the week with a lot of COVID cases. Uh, I just talked about those Octubre and Libertad was probably the other team that was that had the most cases last week. Uh, Ralph talked about Cerro Porteño. Uh, Maria was talking about the match between Guarani and Olympia. Guarani also had a lot of cases. So uh, all teams had trouble doing this week and, and and Libertad just showed the depth that they have in their squad I believe you know they have this luxury squad really with, with players that could play probably in, in any other team in the first division and they would probably start uh, and, and they even had players that haven't played yet like Barbosa that played his first match the, the, the defender that came that, that Garnero actually wanted that came from Argentina from Independiente he has a lot of experience so he has a lot of options and in those a lot of options in uh, those players that he's seeing, he found uh, this. This I, I think is he's a jewel. I think he's like Ivan Franco when he was when he was that young. Also, you know, he, he reminds you uh, Julio Enciso of those young players. Just a lot of talent and raw talent because they just want the ball. They just want to have fun. They they just want to uh, they just want to strike the ball to to the net. Uh, that's just what he did when the game just started. He 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 got the ball. He took two two guys off of him, and he just looked uh, put the ball to to the end of the net. I mean, th we're talking about a guy that that can do magical things at this age, and he's just seventeen, and he's playing in a game in a team that has all these stars. Also, you know, you, you look at around him, and you, and I don't know how this guy is getting game time at seventeen, and it has to do with with his talent because Garnero had a lot of other options and he picked him and he, he had a really good game. Ivan Franco came back also in this game. Uh, we haven't seen much of him lately, but you know, he, these are players that, that Garnero can, can get back. Uh, Bogarin also, he, he, he had a couple of good games in this tournament. I'm just, throwing names out there because Libertad has so many. Uh, we're going to see a lot of this team because uh, they're the perfect team till now. And they already beat Cerro Porteño. They already beat Olympia. Uh, so they've done the, their work. They've done their homework before the tournament. And now they're just doing a perfect job. If they keep it up like this, it's going to be hard uh, uh, beating down this team because the other squads are having trouble. I was just listening to Ralph and uh, Cerro Porteño doesn't have the depth in their squad that Libertad has. So we'll see, you know, with, with all these COVID cases, that's just another trouble. That's just a whole other story also. So it's, it's a weird tournament uh, for all teams, but Libertad uh, feels good and looks like it has solutions for every, everything that it stumbles upon. And I picked Libertad, just, uh, just a reminder, I did pick them at the, in our pre-season show. But for Garnero, there's a very cool stat that no um, manager or coach has ever won the Primero with three different teams in the history of Paraguayan football. Um, so he's done it with two, of course, he did it with Guarani and, uh, and Olympia. So now he is, he is, you know, possibly going to, to win that third title. And I think what Fede talks about the depth is really important because actually winning the title is not why 
he's there. He's there for Libertadores. That's that's what I think Cartes wants. That's what Libertad wants is to do something in the Libertadores. Um, and if he has these young players like Enciso that can be doing damage in, in Primera, then he will have that confidence that he can use his, you know, his more experienced team for, for those Libertadores matches once we get into the, the group stages and you're having to play these, these midweek games. So, so definitely looking very good for them. And a cool stat about Enciso, because I was looking like Sky was born in 2004. Like, you know, two, in 2004, I'd already lived in Paraguay by then, you know. And this kid wasn't even born, but um, he wasn't even born when Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut. So now we can all feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. A, um, well, I mean, there's always going to be more kids coming out that were born in 2005, 2006, 2007. Just wait for it. It'll come eventually. So we just have to hang on tight because if we're feeling old now, wait a couple of years. That's when we'll really start to feel that. But um you know, guys, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting weekend. We'll obviously talk about what's going on this weekend with the Super Classico in our next episode. Certainly other games have been going on. We see, obviously, Paraguayans in action uh, all across Europe. You know, we, we see also um, many people starting to heat up now and starting to call up um, some names that possibly could be on the national team because in exactly one month is in the uh, the start of the World Cup qualifiers again against Chile, the first game in Santiago for the year. So we'll definitely be excited to uh, speak about that when the time comes. But again, you know, guys, another great episode. is not missing a match, Roberto. Berizzo's everywhere here. Huh? I'm just telling you, I, I see him in all the games here in the local league. He's watching right. all players. So in about 10 days, we'll, we'll know our list. And that's important. I think it's always important for a manager to not always focus on what's going on for the Paraguayans outside of the league, but those inside it. Because like you said, maybe we see a Julio Enciso coming. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but definitely want to keep an eye out for the future just in case. But yeah, definitely going to be a very interesting um, World Cup qualifiers when the time comes. But uh, again, guys, another great episode as always. So as always, listen to What I Need Vision on YouTube. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Give us a like, subscribe, comment us on YouTube, listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And yeah, I mean, another great episode as always. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What I Need Vision. See you soon.